Welcome to Manager Tools. Today we have something special for you. Earlier this year, Mark was asked to present in Paris at the USI conference. USI welcomes over 1,200 attendees, from members of the board to operational teams, all committed to changing their organizations for the better and quenching their curiosity. Mark's speech, which by the way was the second highest rated speech of all 40 sessions, was titled, What You Have Been Taught About Management Is Wrong. Enjoy. I'm thrilled to be here today. I have to teach you everything I know about management in 20 minutes, which is easy because management really isn't all that hard. The biggest problem with management today is that the vast majority of people have been taught wrong things about management. It's especially prevalent right now thanks to social media and many other things that go on day to day that make people confused about how to manage people to be more effective. You've probably heard before things like you should be fair with your people. I'm sure the people in human resources tell you that. You should be fair because we want to treat everyone equally. This is wrong, absolutely wrong. If you treat everyone equally, then the people who are doing the most and people who are doing the least are being treated the same, which is not what your organization wants from you. They want you to get the most out of everyone, which means treating everyone differently, depending upon each individual person. Um, you've probably heard that you're supposed to become friends with the people who report to you. This is insane. You should not do this. To be a friend with your directs, with your team, is to uh, create a dual role between manager and friend, which is a bad idea. Now, there's nothing wrong with being friendly with the people who work with you. There's nothing wrong with drinking, having a good time. There's nothing wrong with uh, spending time together outside of work. But there is a difference between being a friend and being friendly. You've probably heard that uh, you should, the most important thing is the team. But in fact, when you think about it, teams do not exist. And teams do not accomplish work. Teams get rewarded, teams get talked about, but in fact, it is individuals who perform. And so therefore, managers should not manage their team, they should manage each person on the team. You've probably heard something like millennials, young people today, people like my wife Rhonda and I's children, uh, that we should manage them differently. If you're a millennial, I'm sure you love this. Uh, your manager tells you how important you are and how special you are. It's not true, I'm so sorry. Uh, everyone is special, not just millennials. But more importantly, we shouldn't manage people based on the group they are in. If you learn the basics of management, you learn that perhaps the most important thing is to get to know the individual person who is working for you. I know 25-year-olds who are just like 50-year-olds that I know. If you manage everyone who's 25 as if they're in the same group, it's a bit like me telling a woman who works for me that I'm gonna manage her the same way I manage all the other women who work for me. Ladies, how does that feel? It's not appropriate, it doesn't work. Uh, you've probably heard that Asians are different. I know that you've heard Americans are different and impossible. You've probably heard that Indians are different. We have a similar saying about the French, by the way. Um, <laughs> luckily, the French are different, thankfully. Um, but look, 
You don't manage people based on their gender or the color of their skin or where they grew up or what flag they salute. These things are not important. People are the same everywhere in the world, no matter where I go. What I'm about to tell you, I have presented on every continent in the world, except Antarctica, and there's nobody there. And, and, and I, I will tell you, it doesn't matter where I go. I, I'm always hearing that Americans are like cowboys. Well, I know some people who work here in Paris, and they feel just like American cowboys to me. And I know some Americans who are very quiet and very reserved. And if you manage an American based on that stereotype of an American, you may not be getting the typical American. Something else that people get tell a lot today is, oh, you should be very honest with your boss. The, the, the people who are telling you this are very young. They have never been fired because they told their boss, I think you're an idiot. Now, now there's nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with telling your boss, hey, I disagree about that. We might consider this, or maybe we ought to look at it this way. That's fine. But the idea that if your boss says to you, I want you to tell me what I could do better, and you have a list, one, two, three, four, five things, and you wonder why your boss doesn't like you, I can tell you why. It's because you're stupid. <laughs> Now, a lot of what we hear about management is what I call fantasy management. This is the way things should be. Hopefully you won't hear me say the word should for the rest of the time this morning. But if you read a book about management, and Francois said, whatever you do, don't come without your book being published. My book comes out in a couple of weeks. It's about what we're going to talk about today. It's called The Effective Manager. But, but if you read the word should in a management book, and I paid an editor to take it out of my entire book, if you read the word should, you should be very careful. It implies something that's probably not true about working with other people. If you want to be an effective manager, it's actually not that hard. It really isn't. And it starts with two things. There are two things you're responsible for as a manager. The two biggest, there's a lot of things that your boss will tell you you have to do. But there are two things that matter more than anything else. If you understand these two things, everything you're going to do as a manager is easier. What's funny is, I bet almost no one in this room knows what the two things are. You probably think you do. In fact, if I asked you, you would say, oh, you need to listen. Yes, listening is good. There's no question. Or, well, you need to get to know your people. Yes, I already told you that. Um, but really, it boils down to two things. When I sit down with CEOs or vice presidents and we talk about the caliber of management in a company, we look at individual managers. We have single sheets of paper. And the first thing on the top of the list, right underneath the person's picture and their name, is what results do you get? The most important thing you do as a manager is to get the results that your company wants to get. If, you, if you're sitting here now and you're a manager and you can't say, Mark, here are the three things my boss expects me to do. She wants me to do this, she wants me to do this, and she wants me to do this in that order. If you can't say that right now, probably every other choice you're going to make as a manager is going to be questionable. What your boss wants from you is what the organization needs from you and from her and from her boss and on up to the top. And what most managers are worried about 
is very different from that. If you have more than about 10 things to do, that probably means you're talking about activities or tasks or projects that you're working on, all of which may be important, but those are not your results. One of the first things we tell new managers is go talk to your boss and find out what he or she wants from you. And unfortunately for many of you, if you took that guidance today and went back to your company and said, okay, boss, what do you want from me? Your boss would not be able to tell you, which is, makes things very hard, which leaves you in a situation of having to choose for yourself, which most people won't do, or what the vast majority of managers end up doing today is saying, well, she won't tell me, and I don't know, and it's not in my job description, and it's not legally required, and so I'm just going to work really hard on everything. I'm going to do email late at night. I'm gonna, by the way, I'm going to do a lot of email, and I'm going to complain about email all the time. Here's a hint for you. If you do something a lot, you don't hate it. And people tell me all the time I hate email. And I say, well, stop doing it. Oh, I, I can't. I can't stop doing email. You are not going to become a great manager by doing email all the time. It doesn't work. I don't know any. In fact, the greatest managers and executives I know say, I really don't need email. Uh, admittedly, most of them started their careers before email came along. Some managers are very good about email. But if you ask managers over and over and over again, the very best, what is really most important? They'll say, it's not hard. Do whatever your job is. Get the results your boss wants from you. And when I say your boss, let's be clear. The organization is probably not going to tell you. It's easy if you're in sales. It's easy if you're in quality. It's probably easy if you're in production. It's much harder if you're in almost any other area. Marketing is very hard. A lot of operations is very hard. There are many places in organizations where it's very hard to measure. One of the next challenges that's going to happen in the next 20 or 30 years in organizations, when digital becomes more and more important for managing, it won't transform management. Digital technology will not transform management because management ultimately ends up being about relationships between people. But the great thing that digital technology is going to do for us is allow us to measure how we do the things we do. And one of the things measurement digital technology is going to do for us is help the vice presidents and the directors and the senior directors, everybody in the middle of the company, to define for their people, here are the things that are most important to you. Okay. Unfortunately, we have to do something else besides results. And the reason why is because if I told all of you, the only thing I'm going to measure you on is results, very quickly you would get yourself in trouble. Uh, in fact, when management was invented about 150 years ago, a little bit longer, uh, managers said, were told, all you have to do is get results, and they very quickly started to abuse their people. If you've done any work on Wall Street, you know that the only culture that matters on Wall Street is results, and that's why it's very hard to start your career on Wall Street. They work on godly hours. It's very, very difficult. Uh, there are some places in Silicon Valley that are this way, too. All that matters is results. But the best managed companies in the world have learned something else. After we measure you for results, we're going to measure you on something else as a break to create some tension to keep you from going off a cliff when it comes to managing your people. And the second thing you have to do is you have to keep your people. These are the only two things that matter. 
If you want to get promoted and you work in a company that's well-managed today, the two things you need to do is get your job done, whatever those things are, whether it's sales or quality or production or engineering or whatever, and then keep the people who work for you. You cannot crack the whip, as we say in America, in order to get more production if, in fact, it causes you to lose people. Typically, the cost of people in an organization is 50%, meaning, by definition, it's the biggest cost an organization has. Most of you know, if you're trying to hire, how hard hiring can be. And by the way, that's a whole other problem we don't have time to talk about today. Most managers are horrible at hiring. They didn't hire people just like themselves, which is good for a while, and then it starts to break down. So, we only have to do two things. We have to get results, and we have to keep the people we have. Oh, by the way, I know there's somebody you're thinking about right now who works for you, and you're thinking, well, there's one guy I really don't want to keep. Okay, may maybe two. Well, the first rule about that is it's your fault, okay, because you hired them. And so, therefore, as an aside, I'll just mention, if you want help on these two things, I'm going to tell you the four most important things you can do, but the thing that happens before that that would make this even easier The th these two things, if you really want to make them easier, start making it harder to get hired by your company. If you're not having five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people interview the person that comes to work for you and have the person feel like it is impossible to get hired by your company, if it's not that hard, almost impossible, then it's not hard enough to get hired by your company. The only thing worse then having a position open that you can't fill is filling it with the wrong person. Who here's ever hired somebody, thought it would work out, and then later discovered it didn't work out so well, and you liked that? Anybody? No. Everybody hates it. Every manager I know says the same thing. Oh, gosh, whatever you do, I've done it for a while, whatever you do, don't hire the wrong person. And usually it's because we're so desperate for a person. If you want better results and you want to keep the people you have, make sure that you make it very hard to get hired. Okay, but for the people you already have, you're stuck. What do you do with those people? It's actually not that hard. For the last 25 years, my firm, I'm an engineer uh, from the military academy at West Point. Uh, I didn't like sitting in audiences like this. I'm sure I'm wonderful, but most of the time, there are places that the speaking is boring and terrible. But regardless, I would sit and I would wait for the speaker to tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. What should I do? And they would say things to me like, well, Mark, you need to be visionary. What does that mean? I, I don't get paid to be a visionary. I actually have to make sales next quarter. Um, Mark, you should, uh, you should be approachable. And I think to myself, well, I'm actually a pretty nice guy. People feel comfortable talking to me. Don't ask my wife about that. She'll tell you otherwise. Um, and, and then they say, oh, Mark, you need to learn how to see around corners. Raise your hand if you can do that. Does anybody here do that? Uh, if you can do that, I want to meet you. I'm sure there are people who say, oh, he's a visionary. He can see around corners. But I can't do that. And so what we've learned in the last 25 years, we started measuring managers. We started measuring them to find out what kind of results they got and whether or not they kept their people. And here's what we learned. There are four things you need to do. First, you need to know your people. And, and by the way, if you're thinking that the math of this is 25% for each of the four, it's not. It's actually 40% of the value of these four behaviors is in know your people. 30% 
is in talking about performance. Those two things alone, know your people and talk about performance, are 70% of the behaviors you need to do in order to get the results you need and to keep your people. Results and retention, these are the four behaviors that make the most difference. Our data show, in fact, that if you do these four behaviors one standard deviation better than the average manager, you will get results that are two standard deviations better than the average manager. It's that easy. Know your people, talk about performance, ask for more, and push work down. Briefly, what do I mean by those things? And in fact, in our company, all we did was create tools to make it easy for you to do those things. But basically, know your people. Get to know the individuals who work for you. Who they are, what they like, what they don't like, what they're good at. And, as Peter Drucker will tell you from many years ago, you will not get great results by fixing the weaknesses of your people. Managers try this all the time, trying to lift up the weakest part of your people. It doesn't work. What you actually have to do is leverage the strengths of the people who work for you. But if you don't know them, you can't leverage their strengths. I'll give you a simple test that many of you won't like. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're a manager now. Okay, keep your hand up. No, hands up. Keep your hand up if you can name the first name of every child of the people who report directly to you. Okay, now, listen to me. I'm an engineer. My wife will tell you, I don't like people. I don't. I'm not a natural people person. Don't, I, I can fool you for 20 minutes, but you'd figure it out after a while. Listen to me. What makes you think you can get the last full measure of work performance out of someone who's, who you, when you don't know the names of the people most precious in the world to them? You won't. It doesn't work. Ultimately, management, as frustrating as it is for an engineer to admit, the most important thing you could do as a manager is get to know the person who works for you, one at a time. And by the way, not the whole team. You don't have a relationship with a team. I'm not having a relationship with an audience right now. I'm developing a relationship with each one of you. That's how relationships work. Okay? So, get to know your people. And the way we recommend we do, you do that, by the way, is one-on-ones. And I know you're all telling me you're too busy, but all it means is a half an hour once a week with each one of the people who reports directly to you. I know you're too busy, but I taught two presidents in the White House how to do this, and they did them. He's busy. We're not. Okay? I believe me, you have time. By the way, less TV and less email. You have all kinds of time. Secondly, talk about performance. What do you want from your boss? I bet you. Let me ask you a simple question. Raise your hand if you would like to know more often whether it's good or bad, provided it's done politely. Raise your hand if you'd like to know more often how you're doing from your boss. Look around. It's almost everyone. This is what everyone says. But no manager ever does it very well. And mainly it's because you've done it before and it went poorly and so on. So our feedback model just sim simply teaches you a way to talk to your people about performance. If they do something good, tell them. Good feedback happens in five to 10 seconds, no more. If you're having 15-minute conversations to make one point, you're taking too long and you're talking yourself out of it too much. The third thing, ask for more. What great bosses do is they get to know you, they establish your skills, and then they say to you, I believe you can be more. 
They help you get there over a period of weeks or months. And then when you get here, what do they do? They raise the bar again. If you want your organization to be great, it doesn't just come from hiring more people. It comes from getting more out of the people you already have. And believe me, I talk to a lot of individual contributors. I talk to a lot of managers. If every manager simply got every person's maximum potential performance out of them, you wouldn't have to hire anybody in your firm for years and years and years, which is good because most of us are terrible at hiring. And lastly, many of you are uncomfortable with sharing your work, but if you want to create people who can take over your job, you've got to be willing to take some of the work that you're doing now and push that work down to the next layer. If you think you trust your people, if you would tell me that I trust the people who work for me, and then you also say, but they can't do my job, they are beginning to believe that you don't trust them. Ask yourself if your boss says, oh, sure, I trust you, but no, there's none of my boss you can do. You would, none, of my, none of my job you could do. After a while, you would say, maybe he doesn't, maybe she doesn't trust me after all. And that's exactly what your directs think of you. And it's a very hard truth, but there it is. Four behaviors, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. And actually, I said that wrong. Let me say it differently. Know your people, talk about performance, ask for more, and push work down. And I'll say one more thing. We've got tools here, and we have a podcast. I think uh, um, it was mentioned. Uh, our podcast is listened to 1.2 million times a month in every country in the world except North Korea. We don't have data about North Korea. And maybe it's good that it's not listened to in North Korea. I've presented what you're hearing today in Iraq and Afghanistan and Somalia. I've done it in Syria. We've done it in China. We've done it everywhere in the world. Done it in Moscow. Done it in Mongolia. Um, everywhere I go, management is the same. And everything you need to know about how to achieve this, these four things is available for free in our podcast. The mission of our firm, Manager Tools, is to make every manager in the world effective, whether they can afford to get better or not. Our job is to make you more effective, and all you have to do, unfortunately, is listen to me, um, because that's who's on the podcast. And also, my book comes out in a couple of weeks, The Effective Manager, which talks about how to do one-on-ones, how to give feedback, how to coach, and how to delegate, because I know, as a manager, that's what you want to know. How do I do these things? Thank you. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.